Please help me welcome Jennifer Garner comes. and John Foraker. <laughs> it's going to be a great conversation. Thank you both for coming Thanks, today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having us. I was told what to ask you first, Jen. I was told I have to ask you about the pretend cook sh cooking show. Pretend cooking show, yes. Um, hello, first of all, good morning. Thank you so much for listening to John and me with Mark Fearless fearless guide through all of this. The pretend cooking show, well, first of all, I had never been on Instagram. I wasn't really interested in social media. When John and I joined forces um, with Cassandra to become co-founders of Once Upon a Farm, part of my deal was that I would have to be on this unholy platform. And I, I, so I just said, okay, well, I have to do it, something that makes sense to me. I'm not going like, to have a company following me around. I just couldn't understand how it was going to work. So one of the things that I love is cooking shows. And um, Mo Grosser, who had been my assistant and just, I just, she'd been to film school at Northwestern. I said, guess what? Now you're doing this too. And so we've always done it all together. And she just filmed me making something I'd made forever. And she edits it in a cute way, adds cute music. And it, that was it. That seems to have taken off. I noticed like a lot of people follow it. A lot of people create derivative videos. Do they? Oh, yeah. that's so fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> successful and award-winning actress for two decades plus. You create this business once upon a farm. It's now doing, by the way, so you know, 100 million in revenue. We're not talking about like a, an idea for something. This is a real business. What made you want to do this? There's so many things that go into it, but um, basically... So I have worked with Nicole King. She has been my manager and bestie for... I can't remember, 23 years. And we started out really together. Um, she was a peanut. I'm older. And, <laughs> and our, over the years, as I started working for brands, I started getting really involved with Save the Children. Um, I work in rural America where, you know, Save the Children's overall goal is to reach kids no one wants to, to get to or no one knows how to get to or is willing to work hard enough to get to. And that can be, you know, Congo, that can be Sudan, that can be, you know, Syria, or it can be um, rural America because that is where kids are in the most quiet trouble here in the U.S. And I grew up in West Virginia. My mom was born and grew up in a Dust Bowl Depression, Oklahoma. So I had seen rural poverty firsthand. I knew that I was one generation and one holler removed from growing up the way um, my rel some relatives and some friends um, had what they had seen in their lifetime. So with Save the Children, I've gotten to travel across the country. I've been invited into people's homes. I've gone grocery shopping for moms. I have seen what WIC provides, you know, women, infant, child, children, um, the, the supplemental f food from the government for women and infant and children. And it is like our idea of baby food. You just think like, ew, that's like baby food, which is how crazy that we would talk and think that way when it's actually what we're feeding our babies. Um, and I knew that for Save, that instead of money being institutional, instead of it being foundations, it was becoming more and more important to court um, it was com um, business and philanthropy was coming from business. So Mark Shriver, my boss at Save the Children said, you know, you need to start a business and just 
bake it in. Anyway, it all kind of came together. I was a young mom. I was trying to feed my kids homemade baby food, which was just a nightmare. And I, Nicole found this little company, Once Upon a Farm, and um, we, I met with them. We met with them together, and that was my beginning of Once Upon a Farm. Now, for people who don't know, John Foraker ran from the earliest days, I think they were doing maybe $8 million in revenue when you took over a little tiny company called Annie's, and I'm guessing many of you experienced that brand with your families, grew it all the way, exited north of $800 million, if I understand correctly. Right. I'll call on you in a second, but how the hell did you get him to join a startup? Yeah, a baby startup, yeah. a teeny tiny startup. Well, um, I, I was just in the, Nicole and I were just kind of investigating things, and we, about Once Upon a Farm, and we saw that John was an angel investor, and so I, I am on a need-to-know basis with Nicole after all these years. I didn't realize what she was doing, but she said, why don't we just meet with John and see why he's an investor? And so she asked John to come down to LA. Um, he had his, the tire on his Uber on the way to the airport blew out. We, it was, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles, but he showed up and we had this conversation and it instantly turned to mission. It instantly turned to whatever Cassandra Curtis is doing with this baby food, is next level for nutrition. It is best in class. Nothing else like it exists. That is not something we need to talk about. But how can we work for a company, or how could I work for a company at the time that was only feeding absolutely the most privileged kids when I know what is out there for kids? How do we um, elevate nutrition for kids across America and eventually across the world. But that, that quickly turned into the conversation. It lasted for three hours. And by the end, I was like, gosh, it sure would be cool if this guy would, would run the company. Of course, Nicole had that plan all along. Of course, John was probably in on it on some level. I don't no, know. But it wasn't. you weren't? <laughs> no, I can't. Nicole just pe no, puppeteered actually, both of no, us. I actually was sitting in the middle of that meeting about two hours in. I'm all, oh my God. I'm being maybe played. I go, maybe I could go run this thing. What is going on here? <laughs> but we high fived at the end of it and like, I'm in, I'm in if you're in. Remember? We had yeah. that. We literally yeah. said to each other, "I'm in if you're in." And then the deal making process <laughs> yeah. gave Nicole shingles. <laughs> and what, what, um, did, what did you see in this like young business? That yeah. I think it was less than a million in revenue. No, less than a million in revenue. Well, I after I sold uh, Annie's to General Mills, they were cool enough to let me like invest in stuff as long as it wasn't competitive and I was transparent. And I was immediately started looking for fresh baby because we'd done all this research um, on families and young kids, and it blew my mind that there were 18,000 coolers where you could buy fresh pet food in the United States, not a single cooler in a baby aisle where you could buy fresh baby food. It was just unbelievable to me. So I found this like teeny tiny company about the same time they found it, and two days after meeting them, I became their biggest outside investor. And then um, I just was like, this is a huge challenge. And then I met Jen and was like, the alignment of values and mission and the idea of like Annie's had always tried to do the same thing too. It's like drive positive social impact through a really great business model that can give back and just pound it. But there were lots of things at Annie's that I never did the way I, I people say Annie's was very successful. And I think like it kind of was, but honestly, I think I could have done so much better. Like I think it could have been so much better. We could have been so much more forward leaning in lots of different things. And so I looked at it and said, this is gonna be crazy early stage again, but 
this is my opportunity to do it even better this time, at least to try to lead that and try to put a team room together could do that. And she's also very persuasive. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I can tell that already. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about what you encountered when you first went out there. I, I can't imagine what the challenges are with Fresh. Like, why was Fresh not a thing in Baby? And uh, I know you started in Baby and then you expanded, but what did you see when you went and talked to grocers? So, go ahead. Nope, do it. Okay, all right. All right, so... Um, we, first of all, everyone that I knew in my network told me I was an idiot for doing this because they were like, there's no way. First of all, there's no refrigeration in baby oils. Thank you. I figured that out. <laughs> and, um, and how, and how are you going to, where are you going to sell this stuff in the store? I'm like, I haven't figured that out yet. But, but, um, oh, and I said, oh yeah, we're going to put it next to yogurt, you know, like Chobani. And they're like, you're never going to sell fast enough to hold space in the shelf next to Chobani. Like multiple times I had these conversations. I had to go back and pet myself up again. and go, what am I doing? But, um. We, we, saw, we went out and talked to retailers, and we basically said, this category doesn't exist. It should. Let me tell you about all the reasons why consumers need it. Um, and let's, let's go. Let's go big. And we got on an airplane, and we flew all over. All we, over. We, we flew all over and, and met with all these big retailers. And one retailer I won't mention, but we went in, and we sold this big story. And I look back now at those decks, and I go, like, we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we, we were so full of it. Like, we, the consumer idea was always right, but the, like, how big it was going to be, how hard it was going to be was always funny. So we pitch it, and then um, they give us, like, 14 items right in the middle of the dairy aisle. And I came out of that meeting. I'm like, oh, my God, what did we just do? Now we have to make it 14 work. items? Did we even have 14 items? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did, I think. And then a year later, it wasn't working the way it needed to, and they cut us down to like uh, half that. It was very painful. And 500 and stores. I, cried. And I, said, I told Jen that this is what it means to, feels to get punched in the face in CPG. <laughs> <laughs> but now we have a huge business there, and it's like back up to uh, 14, 18 items now, and it's a big business. So it took a while. Yeah. We had to figure a lot of stuff out. I had two things going for me. I had blind optimism, and I had a career where I've been told no, you know, 99% of <laughs> everything that I've ever done. So I just kind of was like, oh, well, this is great. We got a yes there. That's, that's <laughs> fine. I mean, and the times we did get punched, it really, I, I, I definitely had to go yeah. <laughs> lick my wounds and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. But we just kept, we kept plugging away. But it turns out that being disruptors is a real pain in the ass. <laughs> it, and, and I learned very quickly what my role was, which was to educate, to help moms know help moms just reframe the way we think because for some reason we're all comfortable saying, oh, my, my cat's food is people grade. I can eat it. It's all organic. And yet we're all comfortable being like, get that baby food away from me. What? That doesn't even make sense. And so then from there, you know, once we start thinking about it that way, then we can make the slow leap to, okay, shouldn't our baby food be refrigerated? Shouldn't it be fresh? Shouldn't it be on the perimeter of the store? Or shouldn't there be a cooler in the baby food aisle? Why have we accepted shelf stable as the norm? And you started in baby, and something we yep. talk about with entrepreneurs a lot is the need to extend into multiple categories. Because if you're just going after baby, you spend all the customer acquisition costs, and then they age out. We have a great company, I hope CEOs here today, of a baby product called Nanit, which is a baby monitor. Um, and we're extending into toddler. Talk about how you got out of baby, why you got out of baby, not, not leaving baby, but extending into yeah. a later stage and what that's done for the business. Well, like the classic entrepreneur thing, which I've done multiple times and I have to remind myself every time is like, you go in with like, hey, this is what this product is. 
here's how, who it's for, and here's how they're going to use it. And that's my plan. I'm going, going, going. And we, about 2018, 2019, it was, it was going okay. It wasn't going as fast as we wanted to. And so we, we did some consumer work and we figured something out. Like, and you're going to hear this and you're going to go, oh, you idiot. Like, how come you didn't know that going in? Well, we now know it. So basically 75% of people come into our brand at baby, but 80% of our consumption is kids ages one through eight or seven. And when we heard that, we're like, oh my gosh, everything we've been talking about is baby, but our cons- uh, the business is really kid. So what we did is um, we, uh, we, our, our CMO is amazing. He's here, Katie Marston, basically helped us like bifurcate the line. So we have a kid, a, ba- a kid line now, which is the biggest part of the business. We have a baby line now that each are doing different things. Um, and once we did that, the business just took off. All the communication started talking more kid more friendly, um, more, more all family. And that's when we really hit our stride. And then it's just basically been kind of rolling ever since then. But that's the big insight. Like you have to kind of sometimes challenge what you thought and you're like, Ooh, okay. Did you have to change product or packaging or any of that stuff? Packaging for sure. Big packaging refresh, which was hard for me. I was attached to our baby packaging, Yeah. but you know, I've, yeah, but then once we changed it, we looked at it and we thought the other package looked like a grandma's sofa. So, yeah. like, like, you know, it's like changing packaging is always hard because everybody loves what you have. They love the baby. You're emotionally house. attached. Yeah. Yes. So it's been... The it, messaging had to change to the... To yeah, so what we, the biggest changes on the package were we added some characters, which were really fun. We made it bright and more modern, like kind of a modern um, a mom and dad would be attracted to it. But we took baby off of the kid products, and then we put no sugar added on, which was always a great feature. It was like the most important feature, one of them, of the product. And once that communication went on, the velocities doubled like almost overnight. And, and it's been just growing like that ever since. And so that was the big, big learning. So Insights helped, up, helped us catch up to the fact that we didn't have to expand a category. A category it ex- was there. We just had to take advantage of it. Yeah. Are the founders of Once Upon a Farm still involved? How are they involved, if at all? Yeah, so Cassandra is our chief innovation officer, still very actively involved. Ari, who was the uh, president and co-founder, he's now running a company called Coconut Colt. Okay. Um, but it's still a board, of, a board advisor, very, in, very involved and aware of what we're doing. We had a really great chemistry, all of us together, and just tried to figure out like, who was going to focus in what area, and it worked out well. Do you ever disagree on strategy? Are you always aligned? We're pretty much aligned. I would say um, we really are. We were trying to think about, anticipating this question, we were talking about it. And really early on, I kept pushing for more innovation because um, for me, packing lunches every day is such a nightmare. And I just wanted something to put in the lunchbox quickly that was our company <laughs> to make it easy for me. And, um, and it's always more fun to sell something new than continue selling something that you've been selling for a while and John was really sat on me <laughs> yeah I'm I and I'm always accused of being too go-go on innovation too so like me sitting on it's like it's kind of funny it's not my role I usually play however we had to really figure the thing about this like from a million to five million a million to ten million is such a different thing than a hundred now to two hundred or two hundred to three hundred like we had to really figure out what we had and I remember I had a few investors um who would say to me like, hey, you know, do you really have your product that's going to make you famous yet? And I'm like, I'm not sure. We might. Like, this stuff's selling really well. But they're like, you need to find that. And like, okay, maybe it's innovation. Turns out we had it. And, and like, what we have right now is, you know, 
can be three, four hundred million dollars pretty easily. What was the A, the unlock, and B, yeah. what does it take to go from ten to a hundred? You know, because we have a lot of people who get from one yeah. to ten, ten to a hundred yeah. is a different story. Yeah, ten to, to me, ten to one hundred is like if you're at ten, you've you've definitely got some product market, but you've got something that's working. The question is like how mass can it be and can you scale it and really and really make it go like my job now is a lot easier than the job i had two years ago like going from 100 to 300 is a very different game but it's actually i think it's the easiest like investing behind success and is is great but that's the biggest thing but the big unlock really was figuring out what is our product doing for consumers um, what is it doing in the category and not just for us but for the retailer and then like making it a win it's a for us, it's a, it's a total win for the retailer too because we're driving crazy growth for them. In a, um, most of the stuff we have now is turning in the top third of the yogurt category, back to my friends who were telling me you could never succeed there. But the cool thing real quickly is like, in the very beginning, the first idea I had was like, this is gonna work in the baby out. We're gonna put coolers in. We started doing a bunch of testing and all that stuff. Very hard, complicated retailers putting the stuff on the shelf instead of in the cooler, you can imagine. but. And then we pivoted to the dairy aisle, and that's bit what's made us famous so far. But what's cool about it is we've been we never stopped working on coolers, and coolers are now turning into a huge business and are rolling out nationally. And a lot of big retailers, you'll see them all over the place. So, can you talk either of you about some of the challenges of WIC? You talked earlier about WIC. I don't know how familiar people are with WIC, um, but if one of your goals that you talked about is to educate people of all backgrounds and to upgrade the nutrition of people from all backgrounds, you've got to like attack WIC. Like how do you, how do you guys think about that? Baby food is, and kids' food and is I, just- I'm sorry, could you also just explain WIC? Just oh, WIC, Women, Infant, and Children. It's a, uh, it's, it's, it's federal money, but it's, um, it comes run to, by the state. Run by the states. Yeah. So every single state has different rules for what they will accept as WIC money. If you are a pregnant mom, or if you're a mom of a child up to five years old, I believe, mm-hmm. or if you're uh, until and, and children, um, you receive this money. And really, what it is is you receive food straight from the grocery store, and it's anything that would feed children and moms. It's not food stamps where it's just free choice, whatever you want. It's very specific what has been approved for the WIC program. Is that correct? That's it, 100%. And I am familiar with it, um, with Save the Children. As a matter of fact, I remember very clearly going food shopping with a woman who had no income and she was um, depending on it to feed her large family. She was depending on WIC, on a food bank, and on on SNAP benefits, you know, um, supplemental nutritional... Assistance program. Assistance program, which, yes, SNAP food stamps. Um, and so she was trying to figure out, okay, if I get this on WIC and if I get this on food stamps and this will come from the food bank and I can put this together. And I said, you know, if you'd grown up in my family and if you had had preschool and families who like really read to you at night and believed in your education and pushed you in different ways, you would be a CEO because watching you do this is incredible what you are figuring out. And she was like, really? Um, that was a tangent, but we wanted to go into WIC, and I really wanted to go into WIC, and I wanted to do it right away. <laughs> and we, were on, we were doing a panel like this at the big trade show in um, March of 2018, and she leans over into me in the middle, and she's like, can I tell them we want to go into WIC? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she goes, we're going into WIC. And I'm like, we had always talked about it, but I was like, that's a couple of years in the future. I'm like, okay, here we go. 
So literally, we're like, okay, we went home and so I, started, I went back and made Google. a movie, and John is like, how to go to Wick. <laughs> <laughs> Google. Thanks, like, John. What are the rules in California? Like it was, it was literally. But John, like that. I know that there we were. Did. I know it wasn't all, you know. Uh, it still isn't. Sunshine it's really and rainbows, hard. right? Yeah. Like, what are the unique challenges of serving WIC? Well, so, well, the, there are many challenges. The price is kind of mandated, so it's very hard to make money on it, and especially subscale. Mm. Um, but the biggest, um, biggest hurdle we had was no one had ever done fresh baby food for WIC, so we had to actually convince the, some states to let us do it. So we now have you know, New York, uh, Texas, Florida have now approved us. We, we were approved to be uh, the first fresh WIC brand in the country before we had like two million in revenue, <laughs> right. it was it was so out out of step for what we should have done. But it was like, in hindsight, that was uh, in totally in line with our mission. And so we started there. It's now now because coolers are really growing. It's really starting to grow because it needs to be in a cooler, basically, in the baby aisle. Is there a different educational challenge to persuade them of fresh? Oh, or? oh yeah, it's very difficult, and you can't market directly to that consumer. Um, there's so many rules. So it, it's more just putting it in the right place in the store where they see the context for the category. And the retailers are doing a lot to try to help them get there, too. Jim, will you tell us about the Million Meals Initiative? Sure. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, a dream of mine from the very beginning, a huge part of why I wanted to be in this business in the first place, Once Upon a Farm partnered with Save the Children. And we are partners with Save. We're so proud of it. Um, and SAVE during the pandemic went from just educating birth to third grade and pre, you know, even pre-birth um, and trying to raise literacy, numeracy, early social emotional development of kids in the United States to um, including feeding because you can't learn anything if you're hungry. <laughs> and so part of that was bringing Once Upon a Farm on. And we decided we wanted to make a really bold statement, which we're a young company to be making. But we decided in September of 21, we made a commitment to serve a million meals, to mm -hmm. be responsible for a million meals to kids in rural America by the end of 24. Yeah, it's just the beginning. Like all great things start small and you grow. Like um, that to me is the most exciting part is this business doubles, triples, hopefully gets quite a bit bigger. We'll become, it'll become a really big thing with them. It's the same thing as WIC and this early stuff with Save the Children. It matters not just because we are putting a stake in the ground for who we are, but it matters because what's the point of being out there and doing this if we're not leading and pushing other organic companies to do the same? Why is organic not the first thing that WIC would want out of in any state? We, we weren't just the first fresh. We also turned a lot of states from not even accepting organic food for babies to pushing them into organic. Shouldn't we all be trying to lead like that? And so even if it is not the easiest or most profitable part of what we do, to me, it is, it's just so important because it reminds all of us who we are. And it just says to our buddies out there and our colleagues, hey, you know, you could be doing this too. Let's push organic out, down and out and out this way. I don't know if you ever saw it. It was super frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching Jamie Oliver's show about bringing fresh food into the oh, education Oh, amazing. System. And he did it in West Virginia, where I'm oh, from. Oh, did he? Yes. And I remember, like, the school incentive was to serve crap. And mm -hmm. um, I think they classified French fries as a vegetable. Of like, course. that was their vegetable. Yeah. 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 
But if that's your starting point and you have to compete against that, it's very hard to compete against French fries when it's being served to you every day. Right. Um, what's next? Like you've gotten from one to 10, 10 to 100. What's the yeah. next big thing? The next big thing I mentioned earlier, we're in about 12,000 doors now. And um, what the next big thing are baby coolers. You'll see, I think, five years from now, you'll probably see most grocery stores in our country, five, seven years from now, we'll have a cooler in the baby aisle. I think that's big. And then we're going to continue innovating into other categories that are attractive to moms and kids and dads and families. Lunchbox. Lunchbox. She's lunchbox. been wanting the lunchbox. He's finally going to get all the innovations she wants. Sounds like lunchbox is coming next. <laughs> Any other closing words from you? No, just... Um, one of the most important things to me is just getting to build a community that you've of people that you really, really like and that you learn from all the time. I know nothing. I never took a business class. I am constantly, as, as I'm listening on Zoom, I'm slacking different people on the team. What does this stand for? What is that? Mostly John. Um, and it's the luckiest thing in the world to do something and have a blast doing it. And because of John, because of Nicole, because of Tanya pushing us this direction, your My wife. My wife, yeah. Yes. Um, that is something that I get to do, and I'm just really grateful for it. Thank you for listening to all of us. So you. give it up for John and Jan, Once Thank Upon you. a Farm. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Thank you. Thank you.